NPR. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Patty Hirsch. And I'm Waylon Wong. You know, until this week, I thought I mostly understood how credit cards work. (laughs) I use them all the time. I get my points. I don't carry a balance. So I thought I had it figured out until this big news story about Discover and Capital One came out. Ah, yes. This $35 billion acquisition between the credit card companies Capital One Financial and Discover Financial, which is all about giving Capital One the card issuer access to Discover's settlement and processing services. Yeah, and this is where I start to get a little bit lost, right? I understand that there are these names of corporations on my credit card, but it's like, what does the bank do versus a processor versus an issuer? Like, what happens behind the scenes when I swipe? It's it's a real, it's a mystery. (laughs) It's a mystery. (laughs) But today, I think we're going to solve this mystery, or at least maybe solve some of these questions that you might have about what's in your wallet. We've got five big questions we want to answer about this deal and the mysterious, meandering way that credit cards work. And I hear you are bringing in a ringer, Patty, to answer these questions for us. The one, the only NPR business correspondent, Scott Horsley, coming in to enlighten us. That's coming up after the break. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Babson College. Discover Babson College's Master of Science and Management in Entrepreneurial Leadership Program, an intensive nine-month journey that equips recent college graduates with practical skills for today's dynamic business landscape. Tackle real-world challenges and emerge with a problem-solving mindset. Whether you choose to start your own business or innovate within a corporation, a master's from Babson will help launch your career forward. Apply today at babson.edu slash msleader. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Scott Horsley is the chief economics correspondent at NPR, which means we have to roll out the red carpet and polish up the silver here at Planet Money when he comes to call. (laughs) Welcome, Scott. That would be a first, I'll have to say. (laughs) Scott's been tracking this story about Discover and Capital One closely for NPR, and he's joining us today to take us on a journey through the tangled and opaque landscape of the credit card business, and on the way, hopefully answer the five big questions that we have about this Discover Capital One deal. So first off, and before we embark, we kind of need to meet our cast of characters. So Discover and Capital One. You know, if you pick up a Capital One credit card, it's a credit card. Pick up a Discover card and it's a Discover card. But these are two different types of companies with very different businesses. So what's the distinction? Well, first off, Capital One is a full service bank. They are one of the country's biggest credit card issuers. uh, And they're known for their catchy what's in your wallet commercials, which are inescapable on TV. Vikings and Scotsman and all the rest of it, yeah. Yeah. Discover is a credit card company that actually grew out of the old Sears business. Uh, initially, a lot of other retailers were actually reluctant to take Discover cards because they thought, you know, why, why help the competition down the street? But what really makes the Discover business attractive to Capital One, what Capital One is really interested in here is that it is also its own payment operation. And that's a big part of what Capital One is interested in acquiring. Hold on a second. So you're telling me that so Capital One is just an issuer, so it's just a bank. But Discover is both a bank 
and payment network? Yeah, and maybe it's helpful to step back and just talk through the credit card landscape here a little bit because this is largely invisible to the average consumer. But mm, let's do that. your credit card might say Capital One, it might say Chase, it might say whatever, but what you probably think of it is as your Visa card, right, or your, your MasterCard. Those are the big processing networks. Lots of banks issue credit cards, but then it's Visa and MasterCard primarily, and to a much lesser extent, American Express and Discover, that when you go to a retailer uh, and pull out your credit card and, and buy something, it's the payment service, typically Visa or MasterCard, they're the ones that kind of handle the nuts and bolts of the transaction. Right. So it's the issuer. Capital One that's kind of providing that loan, very short-term loan in some cases, hopefully most cases, but it's the payment network, Discover or Amex or Visa, that's actually processing the actual payment between the purchaser, that's me, and the retailer. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Scott, let's answer a second question for me, which is how do these all of these various entities actually fit together? So whenever I actually swipe my card or wave it, cavalierly across that payment pad at my local coffee shop, what is the actual sequence of events that occurs? Sure. Well, you take your credit card, uh, you either tap it or you swipe it or you insert it in the little slot. And then the point of sale machine connects to a payment network, which then reaches out to the bank that issued your credit card, the issuing bank, and says, Patty's buying a cup of coffee. Uh, Make sure you log this in his account so when his monthly credit card statement goes out, you can charge him the five bucks. All this happens in the space of a few seconds. The issuing bank has extended a $5 loan to you, and it's the processing network that handles this back and forth. All right. So you're taking us on this journey to this coffee shop. So this is the third question. If I hold this $5 cup of coffee up and ask you what proportion of its value goes to the retailer, to the payment network, to the issuer, can you tell me who gets what? I mean, how do these various players actually get paid? Every time you swipe your credit card, uh, there is a fee that's charged. It's called a swipe fee. It's typically a little over 2%. Now, that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but you multiply that by trillions of dollars in credit card transactions, it adds up to a lot of money. The lion's share of that two and a quarter percent swipe fee goes to the issuer, that is, in this case, the bank, Capital One. Part of that money may then be rebated to you, the customer, in the form of your cash back rewards or some other form of rewards. Maybe it's a, a, a gift card. And then a little piece of that two and a quarter percent on average swipe fee goes to the processing network, the Visa or MasterCard, for handling the transaction. But the key thing is it's Visa and MasterCard who negotiate that swipe fee with the merchant. It's not your bank. The bank kind of takes takes what, what they get. So it's a real volume business for these people. It's because the, the numbers are actually pretty small. They're small on each individual transaction, but swipe fees ballooned to about $160 billion last year. And and for a lot of smaller businesses, it can be a meaningful portion of their expenses. Okay, so on this journey, you've helped me understand this credit card world a little better. And I guess this fourth question is kind of self-evident. I mean, why does Capital One want to buy Discover? I mean, there's obviously a lot of money involved here, and they want a slice of this, but it seems that there's a lot of power to be brokered here. Part of what they're interested in is just that pool of Discover card customers. More customers who are swiping more cards, borrowing more money, paying more interest, paying more swipe fees, all of that. But the other thing is, because Discover is itself a processing network, 
this could potentially give Capital One, via Discover, a, a foot in the door with all those retailers and more leverage in negotiating against uh, Visa and MasterCard. Huh. Uh, one of the things that we pointed out about Discover, the interesting thing about it is that it is both a bank and a payment network. But with this merger, does that mean that Capital One will then become like Discover is now? Basically, Capital One would just absorb Discover's network. And there's, you know, there's some question about whether they would keep it or spin it off. But certainly in listening to the Capital One CEO talk about this acquisition, it sounds like that processing network is the jewel of, of Discover that he's most interested in. And what's more, by leveraging the, the strength of Capital One's own credit card issuing business, it could grow that Discover processing business from the distant fourth place position it's in now to something significantly larger. That's brought us to the end of our credit card journey then. Assuming that this deal does pass antitrust muster and does go through, here's a fifth question for you. How will it change the landscape of the credit card business? I mean, it's creating a huge player to rival the big players, right? Yeah. And I think an interesting question for regulators who, as they scrutinize this deal, is do they focus on the credit card business where this deal might be seen as reducing competition, or do they pay more attention to the payment processing part of the business where this deal might be seen as enhancing competition by making the discovery payment processing line a, a more vigorous competitor for what's now essentially a duopoly between Visa and MasterCard. So it could help me as a customer, but it could also hurt me as a customer, depending on which way it goes. Scott, thank you very much indeed for joining me today. I really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Oh, I do have one final question for you, though, Scott. And for Waylon, of course. Tap, swipe, or insert? <laughs> what is your preference? I'm, I'm an inserter. I'm an inserter. I'm not a tap guy, and I'm not much of a swipe guy. You know, it has never worked ever when I've tried to tap. I'm like, can we fix this, please? <laughs> yeah, for sure. This episode of The Indicator was produced by Julia Ritchie with engineering by Sina Lafredo. It was fact-checked by Sierra Juarez. Alex Goldmark edited the show. Kate Kincannon is the show's editor, and The Indicator is a production of NPR. This is my voice. I can tell you a lot about me, and I'm not changing it for anyone. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of NPR episodes centered on Black experiences. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Humana. Employees are the heartbeat of your business. That's why Humana offers group dental, vision, life, and disability plans designed to protect them. Exceptional service, broad networks, and modern benefits. That's the power of human care. This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com NPR.